This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Starting in the very first sermon in his ministry, and continuing all throughout his ministry until just 30 days prior to his death, William Branham used an insulting phrase that many in the cult will remember. When throwing insults at those who did not believe in the same way he did, Branham would say that they know no more than a Hottentot knows about an Egyptian knight. Very few have stopped to think about this phrase and its meaning. Some cult followers will use this as they insult other people and they have no idea where it came from. Others listen to these sermons hearing this phrase and they associate it with the violent temper tantrums that Branham threw in the elevated state of his charismatic style screaming. While Branham claimed to have been commissioned by an angel in 1947, what he claims to be the very day that Israel became a nation. His ministry was in full swing long before that. Many have noticed the comments that he made in his sermons, pointing out that he had quite a bit of cultural knowledge of far-off countries long before his cult started to notice that he was going on these expensive hunting trips. When you combine the fact that his 1945 pamphlet, I Was Not Disobedient to the Heavenly Vision, describes a healing ministry that was in full swing. When you combine that with the, this phrase about Hottentots, we find a mounting stack of evidence in favor of the idea that William Branham was well-traveled during the time that he claimed to be poor and almost destitute. Almost none of the people in America today knows what a Hottentot is. But localize that to the hills of Kentucky in the small town in southern Indiana, and we have a 0% ratio of people who know the phrase versus people who do not. This is not a common word in the English language, and it's non-existent in Kentucky ease. <laughs> when the European immigrants started to enter South Africa, a tribe called the Koakoi were found tending large herds of cattle in the southwestern Cape. 
They were a nomadic people entering South Africa from Botswana and slowly migrating south until they became practically extinct at the turn of the century. This tribe of people was despised by the more advanced nations that entered South Africa. And in derogatory and racially insulting manners, the Europeans started to make fun of their strange-sounding language. Over time, the tribe of nomads that had settled in South Africa were called Hottentots, insulting them regarding the most common three words of their language, hot, in, tot. Much like the American Indian, this primitive tribe of people was being forced off of their land. Land disputes led to wars, and wars led to hatred and fear of this people. In the mid-1800s, harsh laws were created that were intended to force the Koakoi from their lands in the Cat Rivers to work as laborers on white farms. But from 1904 to 1907, most of the tribe was massacred by German settlers. During this time, Germans rose against the Koakoi nation that was found living in what was then German South Africa, and they killed over, over 10,000 tribesmen. This was over half of the population of the tribe. From there, the remaining few began to integrate themselves with the South African population, and the tribe itself is all but non-existent. This war with the Germans was before William Branham was born. While this phrase, no more than a Hottentot knows about an Egyptian knight, is an outright insult to an entire ethnic group of people, it had very little meaning to the people that Branham used this insult on in his 1947 sermon. They had no idea this was a racial slur. But the impact of the insult was the same. While insulting an entire race of people, Branham used the phrase to insult another person who might otherwise have been a potential convert to Christ. Because the targets of this insult did not see eye to eye with Branham's agenda, Branham used unfamiliar words to call them stupid. In these rants and raves by the cult leader, and after being deprogrammed, it's actually quite comical. There is a stage during deprogramming when this screaming sounds like Hitler in Nazi Germany, but after you're fully free from the cult, it sounds strangely like Yosemite Sam on the Looney Tunes cartoon. If you take portions of these sermons, especially the ones from 1965, and you change a few of these words out with the cartoons rackin' frackin', you end up with a very comical man ranting and raving like a schoolchild. But while it's funny to us on the outside, it's very damaging to those on the inside. Cult followers are programmatically trained to insult those who do not ascribe to their belief system. The number of grade school style insults thrown by William Branham in these sermons is staggering. And behind most of them is some guy in the background saying, Praise the Lord, brother! If you understood what these insults mean, these people would get up, they would walk out, and they would leave. 
Each insult that William Branham threw can be categorized into two grade school insults. You're stupid and you're scum. Some have, have associated William Branham's ministry with that of Christ, mostly because Branham himself claimed to be specific verses in Scripture that pointed to Christ. But imagine if Jesus Christ came to the earth telling the brokenhearted, you're stupid and you're scum. What if Jesus Christ told the woman at the well, you've taken the mark of the beast, dog meat. <laughs> Yet these cult followers, trained by this cult leader, will gladly insult others, potential converts to Christ, by calling them dog meat. Pastors will shout it out from behind their pulpits, causing any woman who curiously visits to get up and leave and never return. They are turned away from heaven's door simply by an insult that would otherwise have flown from the mouth of a child that needs parental correction. Here are some examples. Picture your child in each one of these, replacing the phrase with, you're stupid and you are scum. Imagine yourself as a parent and imagine what you would do with your child for correction. 1953, you little hook-nosed Jew. 1962. See, you're trying to put peacock feathers in your buzzard carcass. 1964. She's a hog, that's all. 1964 again. Where they know no more about it than a rabbit would know about snowshoes. 1965. You big sissy. Again, 1965, you bunch of Lutheran buzzards. The list could go on and on. Some of them more comical than others, but you get the point. This is what we are teaching our children. To become insulting to others. Why not show them the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's that simple. Why not show them that God loves the Jew, no matter what Branham thinks about their noses? Why not show them how God can take even a buzzard, clean him up, and make him a new creature? Not condemn them to hell. Branham taught a poorly mixed potion of law and grace. I say poorly because many of Branham's laws are not found in Scripture, let alone in the Mosaic Law. We are not living under law. Christ came to fulfill that law and establish a new covenant. We are to proclaim the new covenant with others, lifting them from their bondage and suffering. We are to tell others that Christ came to save them too. All they need to do is accept Him. If they're dirty, Christ will clean them up. It's not us to do the cleaning. We just point them to the book. James 4, 11 through 12, tells us exactly this. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law... 
you are, and you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We are absolutely taught in Scripture to judge the doctrine. Paul tells us this time and again. Do you not know that you are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? 1 Corinthians 6.3 But that's the doctrine, not the person. That's the failed prophecy, not the failure in life that needs Christ to lift them from the clutches of hell. If we're allowing men to establish cults of insulting people, we will soon find that Al-Qaeda is not the largest threat that this world can produce. We will have extremist groups all over the world training their children to insult others. And that insulting will bring hatred. Hatred brings anger, and anger brings murder. James also writes words of wisdom, words that apply directly to William Branham's ministry. James 1.26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That verse has more power than we realize. The old-timers, the ones who remember the cult when it was in its early stages, will tell you that they remember grace and harmony. They remember what it felt when it felt like the Holy Spirit was moving, and that movement was bringing them into what they thought was one accord. But while their minds were glazing over to this screaming man throwing the insults, the children were listening. The children were being molded. The children were learning new and powerful ways to insult each other. Those children grew, many of them listening to the same insults being thrown. Some turned into pastors, some turned into evangelists or missionaries, all trained under the leadership of a man who insulted his potential converts. Listen to any one of these sermons by the men who are taught to insult. We have the screaming pastor in Johnson City, Tennessee, who says that hell will be a little hotter for those who do not agree with him. He even condemns others in the same cult. We have the church in Louisiana throwing insults, trying to see if he can match Tennessee blow for blow. Georgia, Tucson, more, all competing to see who can shock their pews by how well they can insult those who aren't inside their, their four walls? And yet they all wonder, why are those numbers inside a building numbers that never increase? They wonder why the only increase is due to the maternity ward. They try to steal each other's congregations for growth, rather than stand on a street corner preaching the kingdom of heaven is coming. Do they really believe what Branham had to say about the coming end of days? Do they believe that this entire world and all that is in it will come crashing down when a woman becomes president? Then why aren't they out there trying to save the lost when women like Hillary Clinton edge closer into that position? Why aren't they trying to save as many lost souls as they can possibly save? 
Do they think that they alone can close the ark's door and that God has nothing to do with it? Do they think that the door is already closed? If they do, then why are they still screaming at the lost? Why not mourn? Why not enter into great sorrow and remorse over the millions of lost souls that they failed to show the gospel of the kingdom to? Why are they feasting like there's no tomorrow when the world is condemned to hell? Could it be that they don't believe any of this? Could it be that they have known about Branham's failed prophecies for several years? Could it be that they have more fun throwing insults than they do preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Ask yourselves this question. If you knew that the world was ending tomorrow, and you knew that every single person in it was going to be burned by a fire that would never be quenched, what would you do? Would you run to your neighbor's door, crying, pleading, and begging with them to turn to Christ? Would you stay there with them until they gave their heart to the Lord so that you could save just one more lost soul? Would you beg, beg them to help come persuade another and another? Or would you stand there in front of their face, insulting them to the point of hatred? 